Hi, this is the Seattle Mama Doc Podcast. I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood, and often, a lot of the time, we don't feel good enough. I'm here to help you face that challenge head on. This is a touchy topic, and one that I think is both hard to talk about. I think research is conflicting, and I think the messages we get from all of our lives are conflicting, and that is around diet, nutrition, and dieting in general, particularly in a culture that we know has a big challenge with overweight and obesity. So I'm here to talk ultimately about kind of the intergenerational pass down of this stuff. You know, there's something in research called family systems theory that ultimately looks at how the home, your family's home, or where, you know, maybe multiple homes, if your kids live in multiple homes between parents, or they live partly with grandparents or anything else, that it's the most proximal level of influence on a child's kind of ideas about their weight and about their weight behaviors. That as a child's growing up, it's not school that teaches them. It's not just like images they get in culture. It's not someone teasing them at school that parents worry about a lot. It's ultimately what happens at home that really teaches a child how to eat, how to feel about their body, and how to think about that interplay of what they do, how they move, what they eat, and how they kind of move forward as an adult. You know, we know from the past research that ultimately about 40% of families regularly kind of encourage their daughters and their sons to diet, which is a number that really, I have to I have to admit, it kind of surprised me. But then if you think, well, about a third of our kids in the United States are overweight or obese, it may be in part because pediatricians have said, hey, we have to think carefully about how they're eating. And that turns into the encouragement of dieting, which I worry about um, is not actually constructive or really productive. You know, parents worry about their child's, you know, I think parents encourage dieting because they worry about their child's health. They worry about their kids being teased. They worry about going to someone like me, a pediatrician in office and, and being criticized. They worry about, of course, this, you know, psychosocial and societal norms. Um, and, and they worry, I think, about their child's esteem and psychological well-being. We know kids who struggle with weight do have lower self-esteem and feel bad. The study that came out recently, though, was really evaluating what happens to people in adulthood who, when they were teens, were taught to diet or were talked about with dieting. And that's that whole family systems theory, too, is ultimately that what your mother and father did with you or whoever raised you, and then what you do with your kids is what your kids will likely do with their kids, that these kinds of norms and cultures and maybe even like quest for thinness or superiority on thinness, these kind of value systems based on modeling and what we say and how we talk and ultimately how we eat really change how we will do that with our own kids and that there are opportunities in some ways to break some of these habits. You know, the study that came out really both explored and looked at teenage but also looked at parents to children that were over the age of two and really looked at who they were and how they were reared. And what they found is that when those were those people were adolescents, if they were encouraged to diet, they had these really long-term harmful associations with weight-related and emotional health. And that was that they were much more likely as adults to be dieting. They were much more likely to have binge eating habits. They had lower self-esteem and they had less favorable body image. So it's kind of yucko, right, that if in our home environment we're taught 
to value dieting, that ultimately it's not going to cause us to be thin. It's actually going to do the opposite. It's not going to cause us to feel good about our bodies, and it's not going to cause us to even have good self-esteem at large. When you look at that 40 percent, too, that regularly encourages dieting, they tended to be, um, you know, it tended to be more likely that the kids were younger. It tended to be that they were girls. It tended to be in families with lower socioeconomic status um, and in, in families who were not Caucasian. And I, there wasn't a lot of explanation for that. I don't exactly understand why that is. But that there's no question that what we do now, not in a damning way, but what we do now really has these lifelong effects. And that dieting, there isn't a lot of data that encouraging a teenager to diet is any good. I mean, in addition, it's interesting. There was a study that was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association just last month in February of 2018 that said, okay, if you go with like the CDC's guidelines, you know, some of the CDC guidelines will say like, okay, write down everything you eat, everything you drink every day and kind of tally up the amount of calories it is. Think about how much you exercise and how many calories you burn and make sure that those are not an imbalance. And researchers went out to say, I don't know. In fact, what they did is they said, instead of calorie counting, and even instead of thinking about portions, kind of what we've also taught people a lot, they said to people, just cut back on sugars, like refined sugars, cut back on refined grains, like white bread, white bagels, white rice, white rice noodles, stuff like that. Cut back on highly processed um, foods, so, you know, like packaged foods, anything that comes in a crinkly wrapper, and just focus on eating more vegetables and eating whole food. And so they had one group that did that, and then they had one group that did more kind of traditional, you know, calorie counting and portion sizes. And the people that focused on the quality of what they ate, so that diet quality, whole foods, just vegetables, not thinking about calories and not thinking even about quantity, they had significant more weight loss. So that the researchers really came to say, okay, you don't actually want to diet. You don't want to, like, restrict people in those ways because I think foods that you vilify, if you say we can never have Oreos, we can never have corn chips, we can – we never get to have potato chips or you cannot have soda. It becomes so desirable that we want it and probably eat far more of it. I mean, I, I always joke about it. it's the same as like, you know, if you enjoy alcohol be- beverages like beer or wine and you get pregnant and then somebody says, for nine months, you can't have any wine, which is still the recommendation in the United States. But it makes it like crazy how much you want a glass of wine while you're pregnant. And then you have the kid and you have a glass of wine and you're like, eh. Not that great, right? But at the time, in that time of restriction, right, it just becomes so precious. You know, scarcity, of course, breeds desire. So ultimately, I think, let's look at it this way. What we're doing at home really matters. And it's so exhausting to constantly think that our model matters. And I am, I eat as healthy as I can. I eat a lot of whole foods. But I do have these like little things like Cheez-Its and like little go-tos that I love. And I have to think, shoot, how am I modeling that on some way? Um, But number one, we don't want adolescents to be told to diet. In the end, they're more likely to be overweight and obese when they're older. They're more likely to have low esteem and they're more likely to have problems with their body image. So what can you do? Well, I think you can honestly continue to focus as best you can on this division of responsibility that I go back to so many times that comes from this nutritionist named Ellen Satter, but that you are the good provider of stuff they're the eaters. Don't focus maybe as much on portion unless you think portions are a big problem and talk to your pediatrician. But ultimately, half of what you offer your kids should be fresh fruit and vegetables whenever you can. It includes breakfast and even snacks. I mean, every time you fill their plates with good stuff, it's what the choices are that they're making. Um, think a little bit about sodium. You know, the 
the media coverage and the data on sodium has, feels like a pendulum a little bit. But we know packaged foods have a ton of it. And even, you know, like 8 out of 10 kids between the age of 1 and 3, so even toddlers, are exceeding the recommended 1,500 milligrams of sodium. So you do just want to watch it in, in packaged foods and things. It doesn't tend to be the table salt that's your problem in your house. So it's not you sprinkling a little salt on your eggs in the morning. It's really that you're eating a lot of packaged foods like those cheesy crackers I mentioned and things and soups and then those frozen meals that tend to have a lot of salt. Um, you know, the American Academy of Pediatric goes ahead and says, okay, well, how do you get away from dieting and think about healthy eating and kids just offering a variety of food experiences, going different places, having them help you prepare it, avoid those processed foods, choose food from the five food groups, which, you know, we all learned when we were in, you know, third grade. Um, and then, you know, know that like grazing is okay. Don't, don't, I think, don't vilify things that don't, you don't have to. I mean, you don't have to sit down and have three big meals a day. It might be that your kid eats a whole grain cereal bar on the way to school and then has a piece of fruit an hour or two later. You know, we know breakfast is really important. We know you can get hangry if you don't have breakfast. I mean, some school systems now are even providing that with the school lunch programs and, and kids with you know who qualify for food assistance. I mean, we know kids have less headaches. They're less distracted. They're less irritable when they have breakfast. So spacing out food the day. But there are some kids that aren't, aren't even that interested. And then it's just making sure you're stuffing their pockets or their backpacks with stuff that is that whole food. The bottom line here is that what we do at home passes down from generation to generation to generation, that who we are and how we talk about diet or dieting really matters. And we've got to step away from dieting. If your child has a challenge with overweight or obesity, think about how you move, think about how you eat, think about how you talk about bodies, how you react to things you see in the media. That's probably the most powerful thing. Helping your child love themselves, not based on their size, but based on how they feel in your presence and that sense of belonging, and then helping them love food. Food, whole food and veggies without the restrictions, without calorie counting. That's the way to help raise a child without so much overwhelm, without as much risk for overweight and without risk for unfavorable body image later in life. I'll put some links on Seattle Mama Doc. Step away from the diets. Eat whole and healthy food. Step away from thinking and idealizing thinness as best we can. And I think we'll really help our families in the future. The reality is parenting is a high stakes job. And I'm trusting the good news is you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at seattlemamadoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from. 